Welcome to Backstage with Zadul. I'm your host Kishore from Zadul's very own marketing team and this is a podcast where we share eventful stories from thought leaders across industries to give you epic insights into the world of events and beyond. Hello, hello. Welcome back. What is up people? Hope you're all doing fine. We're back with the second episode of Backstage with Zadul and that's pretty exciting. For all of you who tuned in to episode 1, thank you so much for the support and we look forward to giving you great content about events and everything else. All right then moving on. Summer has already kicked in in India and things are getting pretty hot. And that is why we picked a hot topic for you this time around. Now back in February, Zadul's CTO and co-founder Veda hosted a fireside chat on event trends and success mantra in 2022. and our guest for the event was the president of etp mr bj singh now etp is an event production company that is largely popular in north america and they do some amazing work there so watching these two leaders talk about the trends that are likely to dominate 2022 and also provide insights uh during the conversation was really 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 amazing So what we've done for this episode is we have curated the highlights from that conversation so you can literally take their expert insights with you wherever you go and listen to it on a streaming platform of your choice. Sounds good? I'll take that as a yes. Okay, so let's get right into it and jump into the fireside chat. A couple of, you know, questions off the bat for you BJ. How have uh, events evolved in your perspective over the past you know 2 to 3 years and our event strategies for offline experiences still relevant today what are your thoughts uh yeah so i think when the pandemic first happened everything sort of swung all the way to the other extreme to 100% virtual uh people found out pretty quickly that it wasn't really a very engaging experience they were mostly web streams on steroids um and then we saw the pendulum swing to the extreme other side where these virtual events became very hyper produced um and now what we're sort of seeing is a swing to the middle um and, and this idea that hybrid can simply be a live event and stream to some website or some platform uh is going to do the job i think we're we're all realizing and our customers are realizing isn't necessarily the best way forward there are two entirely different experiences that have to be designed that way um what we've also seen sort of unrelated to the pandemic but surely a parallel is this renewed interest in ESG right what is the environmental social and governance impact uh on my event and and it's not something we saw coming but it's surely i think partly because of the pandemic and the travel cost and everything else uh, is is absolutely becoming front of mind especially for the fortune global 500 customers um so that's kind of how we've seen it evolve there's obviously a push for some event formats to go back to live um being interspersed with uh more virtual engagements and use virtual as a way to replace some meetings where it makes sense uh but then to also engage your attendees in between these live events even when they come back in 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 whatever format um and i think you were asking about um the one size fits all strategy and why it doesn't work 
Um, so I think there's uh, several factors, right? The pre-pandemic, um, the the event and the content and the program was designed primarily for the live attending, right? And yeah. uh, you either never had a virtual component, or if you did, it was surely an afterthought. But I think what's happened with the pandemic is whether it's budgets, whether it's new travel restrictions, which in many corporate clients case, at least, are here to stay despite the pandemic. Um, attendees have a new comfort level. Um, there's surely some um, tiredness around virtual, but there's surely an equal amount of excitement around attendees knowing that they can absorb the content and the knowledge without having to get on a plane. Uh, and there's a lot of corporate mandates. Right? There's another sort of factor happening that I think a lot of people don't think about, which is Gen Z. Um, it is predicted to be the largest attendee demographic in the history of meetings and conventions. Uh, my son is one of them. Um, they're really not interested in having to travel somewhere just to learn and absorb knowledge, right? They might do it for some other reason. So th there's there's uh, surely a strategy that has to be had around that. Um, uh, and live is really fixed location, fixed date. Um, virtual doesn't necessarily uh, have to mean that. In fact, uh, I think one of the biggest uh, strategy considerations to be had is that the virtual attendee doesn't necessarily want to be tied down to a fixed date and a fixed location. That means you can't just stream a live event even if you wanted to, right? It's a different content. It's a different attention span. Um, and it's, and you'll hear me talk a lot about Netflix-like programming and Netflix-like persistent engagement. Um, but that's very different than the experience that the live attendee wants. The motivations are different. So they have to be different strategies. Uh, what we have seen a lot around sort of the strategy front is a lot of customers are moving a lot of their internal facing meetings that were primarily designed to train and learn. So potentially being 100% virtual. Um, if they are doing live, live events, they're still using virtual to engage their constituents, whoever it might be, employees, customers, um, association members. Uh, use virtual to engage them in between live events. Okay, very good point there. I loved what he pointed out about how the attendees have changed because we usually acknowledge that the way we run events has changed or the kind of technology we're using is new, etc. But uh, we rarely talk about how people uh, who are attending the events, that is, can be even people like you and me, have changed in the way we uh, engage with things or you know connect with content we are a very on-demand generation and um, though we see it in daily life it's very important for event organizers to also realize that uh, this change in the way we engage with content is also going to reflect uh, in our engagement levels during events so yeah great point there yeah let's continue uh, and the one thing that's been very very hard to do virtually is the trade show right um you have to you know it, you're never going to replace a true trade show uh, and make it virtual and have the same success what you can do is build these 365 marketplaces that allow the exhibitors to engage their constituents in between those those live trade show right and so um all of that to say that the intention the message and the incentive to attract a virtual only attendee 
is very different than that of a live attendee, right? So, and so your strategies have to be very different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, even we've seen that with, um, you know, people being really creative with what they're trying to do to engage virtual attendees, uh, you know, whether it's opening access to speaker meet and greets after sessions end, prizes and the gamification happening there, or even like live expo booths and um, allowing attendees to, you know, join right away, whether it's on to the stage sessions or the expo booth sessions. Um, and I think the other thing is with virtual events, the attendees, like you said, engage in a different pattern. And another thing that we've seen working really well is people actually opening up their event much in advance of the actual show day and leaving it open uh, beyond the show day, whether it's for networking experiences or resources you, you know, you want to have, uh, want people to have access to online. It's about the experiences that you create even before and after the event in that space, because I think especially for virtual only attendees, what they're really empowered by is the ability to kind of explore the space on their own time. So also the, you know, thinking about, yeah, we're going to build a live show, but, you know, how do we build for moments around that show or build a program around maybe not everybody is going to be there necessarily live during the show, but what are those experiences you're going to be enable before and after to still really be able to cater to that audience? So we've seen some really, really uh, interesting, cool things people are doing there as well. And I think one thing that everyone's gotten really used to over the course of the last couple of years is data and those micro interactions and really being able to understand what attendees are doing during a virtual event and you know, therefore just being able to make better decisions for future events. And I think that's also led to some really interesting patterns for, you know, we always talk about like email drip campaigns and now we're seeing this sort of like event campaigns or event series of sorts where people are, you know, doing event series catering to their tar target audience and really like using that data of who's engaged with what over the course of this event series to keep making adjustments and uh, cater to that audience as they kind of hone in on who's work on which which of those attendees are really working for them. So. Yeah, I think virtual um, is definitely different and being able to harness what's working and what are what are virtual attendees looking for versus just kind of saying, oh, here's what I do in person. And now I'm going to just repeat that same thing virtually. I think really uh, being proactive about that is what we've seen work really, really well. Mm -hmm. And so with, with that, thinking about you know, like your virtual event audience, how do you define the right audience for your event? And, you know, have you seen like maybe better results with smaller groups or and focus like more personal discussions or what's been your experience around that? Yeah, so I think you hit on something that's a very important point, right? What virtual has given us that we've always struggled to do at live event is is data in real time to truly understand um, what is happening in your event, right? And if you tie it with your CRM data to say, this demographic really engaged with this content, with this gamification, with this type of engagement, uh, and to continually refine it, not only to find 
the better audience or the more target audience, but then to find ways to engage them in different ways is something that I think virtual gives us that has been near impossible even today to get in, in the live event, right? And so um, what we have seen um, is on average, live events uh, are becoming smaller, they're becoming shorter, they're becoming more targeted, right? Most live event durations in general that we are seeing in 22 are roughly becoming half the duration and half the size, right? So a thousand person event is now becoming a 500 person event. A four day event is, is give or take becoming a two day event. And that's a, a trend that our clients are telling us is not going away even when the pandemic is hopefully behind us. Um, so what's the right audience for those, right? If you're, if, if you're gonna spend less money, fly people in for shorter durations, how do you pick? What we see is your high value customers, your high value prospects, your top performers, if you're doing an internal sales incentive kind of a meeting. Um, and then uh, for the larger audience uh, and for having a much more targeted experience on the virtual side, I, the big difference that we're seeing is not only picking the right audience, but to then personalize the experience for that audience, right? What, what, what has happened in virtual um, is that the attendee all of a sudden has the power to consume the content, right? In a format, in a time, uh, and in a place of their choosing. That wasn't the case in live, right? You did an event in Las Vegas and the event was the event. You showed up if you wanted to or not, but that was it. And uh, in virtual, uh, the attendee, the, the, the power shift is, is, is surely moved towards the attendee, right? Um, and so what does that mean, right? I'll use the Netflix analogy again. It's personalized recommendation, personalized content, uh, and having complete control by the attendee over how, when they watch it. What that lets you do is to not really ignore any particular attendee type. What it lets you do is to customize the content in a way that they're gonna be engaged, right? Um, of course, using the data to constantly improve the return on those events, surely in virtual, because you can measure it, Obviously, as we go to hybrid, a lot of the platforms that will include it has the ability for you to collect that data even from the live attendee. Um, of course, finding ways to engage, uh, using things like gamification, using things like giving education credits, um, you know, the AI-based networking, huge. Right? It's the one thing that, again, is we've struggled to do in live is I can go walk around and meet 100 people. What percentage of them are actually relevant uh, to the reason I'm there or to the reason that I want to network, right? Things like AI networking let you, let you do that pretty pretty quickly. Um, and people consume content in a different way, right? Some learn by reading, some learn by listening, some learn by watching, um, some uh, learn by simply experiencing, in which case live might be a better format for them. But you have to customize the content. Um, I read somewhere, it's not my line, but it's the one I say probably once a week, which is that events must be programmed like TV, produced like Broadway and sold like Hollywood. And I think the more and more we go into um, the post-pandemic norm, uh, that seems to be a successful format. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think yeah, we've definitely seen uh, similar uh, trends as well. We've had, you know, customers, even for internal events start you, keeping them smaller to kind of facilitate more discussion, uh, more engagement, an actual like workshop type of uh, format. So even for things like we had 
uh, Scotch and Water, which is one of these event agencies that runs events for Britannia for internal product launches and sales conferences, their event sizes are in the couple of hundreds. And, you, you know, they keep them within that really small uh, discussion based groups and they use, you know, rooms to talk more about products, they use expos to even, you know, talk about prototypes or a live interact about certain products that are going to be launched. And we've seen really, you know, personalized engagement as well. We had uh, Apollo do an event in partnership with uh, Man U for their uh, under 18 team, and they were able to really put out the Man U brand and still use like expos for their products even though the whole brand of the event was Man U and really create experiences where fans were able to engage directly with these academy players. And I think really creating those smaller interactions, spaces for more direct interactions, whether it's with speakers, fan engagement, whatever it is, within a larger event, formats like that we're seeing really, really work. And like you said, in terms of uh, uh, people consuming content, whether it's in some people, you know, are visual learners, some people like to read content, uh, just having access to content afterwards and even live, whether it's something as simple as like, you know, captioning has added tremendous value for virtual attendees. So I think really thinking about all of that in terms of event production has um, is what we're really seeing from customers. And I think there's also this trend of like, oh, it's not just about virtual events, you know, replacing events that would have otherwise been in person. We're also seeing this whole new crop of events that would have never even happened in person that people are starting to experiment with. And these smaller formats, like all of these different formats uh, are really, really working in those cases where people are saying, oh, it's not just about, you know, taking what worked in person and moving it online, but or, or just taking an in-person event and now making it hybrid, but also how are you able to engage uh, attendees in new formats and new experiences that you might not have before? And, and BJ, in terms of you mentioned, uh, you know, broadcast-like events. So when you're talking about the delivery of content, like how do we prepare and deliver content in a way that really keeps attendees engage and really encourages participation when, like you said, yeah, virtual events, you're going to be competing with a lot of really high quality content. Yeah. So I actually think that it's, it's less about how you deliver content. Right? We've touched on a lot of that, right? On demand in a format that, uh, or in all the formats that the attendee can possibly consume it. I think the bigger idea, and it's something that we, that you and I worked on a lot, is how do you make that virtual attendee as much a contributor of content as opposed to just being a consumer, right? And and I, I personally believe that's the holy grail, right? Nobody wants to sit on the other end of a computer and watch somebody talk or run a video for a half hour. I want to be engaged. And a lot of the reasons people go to live events is you, you, you can engage with people on a face-to-face -face basis. So um, things that for example, you know, one of the re things we love about Zettel is, right, you can raise your hand and come on stage. It's a very different level of engagement uh, than me typing a Q&A or, or chatting via text. Um, you know, we did an event with University of Maryland uh, with, with Zettel um, where the attendees and board members were able to raise their hand and not only come live into the platform, 
Um, but we were able to then take you and put you live within the live room itself, right? Uh, and on the LED wall or projection screen or whatever. Um, we are working with University of Maryland right now, um, where we're actually putting monitors in their presidential suites so people that are attending Maryland football games can interact with people that are unable to be there or would have been in their suites. I mean, there's so what, what great ways to interact and engage attendees. Um, we have uh, a corporate client um, that's using it every week. In fact, we are starting to do it internally at ATP, um, where we just have open-ended networking sessions in the one-to-one -one networking area on a weekly basis. Um, and whether it's for diversity and inclusion, whether it's for new employee orientation, um, what a great way, right, to, to really engage people um, in a much different format than just doing a one-way Zoom call or webinar. I must say that took me back to say college when uh, the one thing that differentiated the good productive sessions from the boring ones were the level of interaction right. I mean I for one just hated one way uh, classroom sessions where the professor would go on and on about a subject and I would just zone out. I think many of us can relate to that hopefully uh, and the ones that really stood out for me were the professors and lecturers who kind of identified the need to um you know have two-way interaction that way the audience is way more engaged so i think uh, it's relevant for events as well anyway that was just something i thought i should share while we are listening to this let's get back into it and work from home is here to stay right it might not be 365 24 7 but uh, some part of people's work life is going to be from home. So how do you continuously engage them uh, on an ongoing basis? And, and I think those are um, some of the ways to use virtual to consistently engage. Uh, of course, things like gamification. Of course, the content has to be, again, you know, OTT or Netflix-like. It can't be somebody talking on the stage. It can't be B-roll. It can't be a web screen. Um, it very much has to be something that's engaging and, and not uh, not necessarily very long duration. Yeah, and I think it, it's pretty analogous to you know something like a, a talk show. Like in talk shows, people are used to having an in-person you know studio in-studio audience that they're talking to. But you also look at the camera; you're talking to your virtual audience. And I think at, we're seeing a change more recently. But I think definitely over a majority of the content in virtual events over the last couple of years has still been here's what's happening in person hey virtual attendee look here's what's happening over there in person and it's not really like content that is talking to the virtual attendee whether it might be something as simple as you know the host looking straight into the camera and saying hey attendees like do something something but it does take a little bit of a mindset shift to keep that in mind. And that's something that, you know, in all TV shows have probably been used to for a while and event production is going to need to get used to now because otherwise you're having a virtual platform is not going to solve the fact that, you know, attendees oftentimes when we were talking to early attendees, they'd often said, oh, when we're watching these streams of in-person events, you know, we really feel like second class citizens of the experience. 
And at that point in time, it was more of because of the engagement. There was really nothing for them to do online. But if you're going to add all of these, you know, ways to engage and things to do, but not solve the problem in the content itself, you're still going to leave attendees with a lot wanting. So I think, yeah, really, really thinking about how do you get to that root content in itself and, and address virtual attendees and program content for both in-person and virtual attendees, especially when you're talking about hybrid events is going to be really, really key. Yeah, I, I do. I do think you you hit the nail on the head on that one, right? Even when we used to do or still do live events, and clients say, "Well, I want this big two hundred foot LED wall," um, right? It's great, but unless you have content to really maximize it and engage clients uh, or engage your attendees, uh, it really doesn't you know serve the purpose or get you the return that you want. And I think content is king, whether it's virtual or live, right? You can have the biggest palette. The best platform or the biggest led wall or the um all kinds of ways to interact but if you don't have the content to really leverage it to engage your attendees in a meaningful way then um yeah you you missed the boat for sure yeah and and do you have any uh, you know quick tips pieces of advice you'd like to share uh you know as organizers start you know preparing for 2022 and what their events could look like um sure i think uh, the biggest one is um always have a contingency plan i think that's the biggest lesson we've learned and our clients have learned um and i think the the nice thing about virtual is it it can give you um that contingency plan um what we are also learning is that um by using virtual to continuously engage your attendees in between live events uh there's a comfort level that when you do have to pivot or you do need a backup plan, it's it's something that everybody's used to, right? And this idea that uh, I have a live event and I need to replace it with a virtual platform for this one-off, I think is how it started. I think now uh, virtual is becoming a way of life to continuously engage. So I, I would encourage everybody to think um, of platforms as a way to continuously engage, whether or not you're gonna do live events or not. I do agree with you. There's a whole new crop of events uh, that clients are starting to do uh, that are virtual only that they hadn't thought of before because the cost is significantly lower, right? Once you once you have a platform, um, surely higher production value. And I probably say that with my filter because that's what we do for a living. Uh, but to have higher production value, have better content, have ways to engage, um, you know, the right. Uh, or to engage your attendees and make sure you're customizing the content for that attendee. Uh, empower them, right? Video on demand is a thing. It, it didn't used to be. And as live event people, we often get scared and say, well, I have to stream it and they have to come at this time. That's really not the case. Right? You, they want to be able to engage. And the nice thing about virtual is you can still track and know that they consumed the content when they consumed it. You can engage them with gamification, with polls, with quizzes, with giving them credits to make sure that they're, um, you know, they're actually consuming uh, the content. Um, I would also say, don't be afraid to lean on experts, right? One of the things we have learned, the reason we became a little managed services provider and, and oftentimes are white gloving the entire experience is as people are coming back and understanding that to create a, a valuable engaging virtual event is a different skill set, uh, sometimes a different budget, 
than what we're used to doing in life. And you may not have those resources. It, it might scare you. You may not have the budget. But to have a conversation, um, you know, and rely on the experts to say, this is my goal. How do I do this? Right. Um, until you, you get to a point that you're comfortable. Um, the last thing I do want to say um, is, you know, use the data, right? What platforms give you, whether you use it in virtual only or whether you use it uh, in a mobile experience to engage both your virtual and your live attendees. But use that data to learn and continuously refine and improve the return on events. And that's not just financial, right? It's engagement. It's uh, retention of the attendees' attention over time. How often are they coming back? What content is resonating? Um, I think a lot of times we see all this data and we say, great, I got 3,000 people. But really diving in uh, and using it to refine your strategy, I, I think, is huge. And that's something we've never had before. Another very, very useful insight there about how virtual event analytics can really help us gauge how our event went in terms of specific numbers and also educators as to how to tweak our next or upcoming event and target those areas that where we feel there's sort of a gap. So yeah, brilliant conversation. Well, I for one love listening to it and I hope you did too. We'll be back soon, of course, with yet another episode, more insights more guests, you name it. Alright, then take care and stay cool this summer. We'll see you soon. This was Backstage with Zadul. If you'd like to hear more episodes, don't forget to subscribe. You can also listen to our episodes on Spotify, Google or wherever you stream podcasts. Don't forget to visit zadul.com to know more about how you can begin humanizing events.